0: Hi, I'm Andrew Dickinson, author of Dreamcast Year One and Year Two, and you're listening to The Sega Lounge.
1: Welcome to the SEGA Lounge, a podcast dedicated to our love for all things SEGA, be it the games, the music, or the community. I'm KC. In each episode, I'll be talking to different guests and sharing their projects and their passion for SEGA. Hello everyone and welcome to the SEGA Lounge, the podcast equivalent to a facial mask. It's sometimes inconvenient, but you know you need it in order to survive. Well... Maybe not, never mind, just just wear a mask. Thank you very much for joining me for a brand new episode of the show, it's great to have you here, and I hope you enjoy this week's interview as we learn more about a new book about the Dreamcast. The Dreamcast has a very special place in my heart, as it was the very first console I ever bought with my own money back in the year 2000. I was attending a professional school at the time and I received sort of a monthly scholarship, which I had to save for a few months before I could afford the system. Before I even got the console, I actually acquired Sonic Adventure and a VMU. I didn't realize how much of a torture it would be to have the game sitting on my desk for months before I could play it. Ah. Fun times. 20 years later, it's crazy to think about how important some of the games I played on the Dreamcast were and still are to me. What about you? Got any special memories of the Dreamcast and its games? Feel free to share them by going to this episode's page on our website and use the comments section there. You'll find it at thesegalounge.com forward slash 122, that's episode 122, or you can go to our Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash the Sega Lounge and leave us a comment there. Anyway, what's happening on the show this week? This week I'm talking to Andrew Dickinson. Andrew is the author of the Dreamcast Year One book, which was successfully funded last year through Kickstarter. Putting the book together spawned a few other projects for Andrew, including the Dreamcast Years podcast and, of course, a second book titled Dreamcast Year 2. Along with a team of talented and knowledgeable contributors, Andrew is this time focusing on the second year of existence of SEGA's White Box. Dreamcast Year 2 is coming to Kickstarter on July 28th, and I sat down with Andrew to learn more about his love for the console, the books, the podcast and to put his knowledge of the Dreamcast to the test. Yes, it's quite a challenging Sega Lounge challenge this week. Stick around and enjoy. Hello, Andrew. Welcome to the Sega Lounge.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh,
1: it's a pleasure. A Pleasure to welcome you to, to the lounge. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're here to talk about uh, the Dreamcast Year 2 book, which is going to be going live on Kickstarter very soon. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's rewind a little bit for people not familiar with you. So Mm -hmm. would you tell us a little bit about yourself? uh, Maybe your history with video games, how you got so into the Dreamcast and whatnot?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, Gosh, I'm rewinding a lot. I'm, like, I'm 35, so I've got to rewind until I was about 15, so a good 20 Your years Your social ago.
1: security number as well, please.
0: <laughs> Your date of birth, yeah, yeah, all that. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, so I, I kind of I got into games. I mean, I, I've had game consoles since I can remember, so we kind of grew up with the NES and the SNES, and it's just one of those things like, you know, as kids, we thought they were cool, and me and my brother especially would think that video games were cool but it was back in the time when um kids would play outside quite a lot um rather than play on video games so yeah. games are like secondary so we'd be playing outside most of the time and if it was raining or if you know if we were bored we'd stick on the the NES or the snares and it really wasn't until i got and probably until about 14 about 14 that i really properly got into video gaming as you know as a a thing that i really enjoyed and was passionate about and that was because of the um that was the PlayStation. Um, so, I'd you know, I'd really enjoyed, you know, my bits and bobs of gaming. I love Mario. Um, you know, it's my favorite platformer. I never owned a Sega console, by the way. Um, up until that point, it was always Nintendo. Um, and then the PlayStation came along and it was so much more advanced than, you know, the 2D graphics that I was used to. And it kind of just took me by surprise. Um, my stepsister had brought it over and she had a copy of Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. And... So i kind of just ended up playing Uh, i i I took the console to my room because they were all busy doing something else and i just thought i'll I'll go play this then so i I took it to my room i was lucky enough to have a tv in my room and uh, i I ended up playing resident evil and just absolutely fell in love with the playstation and with the resident evil franchise and that's kind of where my love of gaming started really it's just realizing that i'd always loved horror films i mean my my mum is a horror film fan so from the age of maybe 11 which is probably way too young for a child to be interested in horror movies, but from the age of eleven, <laughs> I was watching horror movies and all that kind of stuff. So Resident Evil was kind of like mixing two of my favourite things, you know, video games and, and and horror, and that kind of yeah really pulled me in. Um, and so then the reason that I got into Dreamcast was that it had Resident Evil Code Veronica. You know, I'd played Resident Evil, um. Resident Evil Two, Resident Evil Three. And they started to kind of talk about the fact that the next Resident Evil game was going to be exclusive to the Sega Dreamcast, and I was like, oh, "Okay, I've never owned a Sega console before, but I absolutely love Resident Evil, and it it seemed really I couldn't imagine not playing the next Resident Evil game. So it became my mission then to get a Dreamcast. Um, I knew not much else about it. I didn't really know much about the other games. I kind of looked at a few bits and bobs in magazines and. You know but I, my focus was on Resident Evil so I it was my 16th birthday in 1999 which is the no sorry in 2000 which is the year after the Dreamcast came out in mm-hmm. Europe and so I said to my mum look you know I, I really need a Dreamcast you know it's my 16th it's kind of a big deal I don't know if 16th is still a big deal anymore, but at the time it felt like it was a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, can I have a Dreamcast? And it was like, sure, sure. A secondhand Dreamcast, of course, but you know, a Dreamcast nonetheless. So Mm -hmm. um, I got a Dreamcast. um, I got uh, Crazy Taxi, Power Stone, and Resident Evil Code Veronica, of course. Um, And yeah, from I I played Code Veronica, absolutely loved it. Um, But of course, I played Crazy Taxi and I played Power Stone. And what shocked me and surprised me was. Here were two games that were unlike anything else I'd ever played before on PlayStation, on Snares, on on anything. I'd never really touched arcade style games as such. You know, I might okay. have played a bit of Tekken here and there, perhaps, but so and the fact that they were so colourful and vibrant, and the graphics were so good, just completely pulled me in. And it from then on, I was just like, Dreamcast is like the best thing ever. Um, <laughs> and it was that I was, I was sixteen. I was that at that age where everything is a big influence to you and influences how you grow up, I guess, and what kind of person you become growing up. And uh, I started it was the dawn of the Internet. You know, the Internet had been around for a few years, but this was the, the time of message boards and chat rooms. And so I got chatting to people on there and ended up writing for a fan site. Um, and yeah, that's just how my love of Dreamcast started and didn't didn't really end. Uh, so, yeah, awesome. I guess that's where that's where it began.
1: Yeah. Do you remember what, what fan site you wrote for at the time?
0: Yeah, so it was um, it was another guy who's the same age as me and he was just starting up uh, a site that he wanted to write for. And it was called Dreamcast Source, uh, dreamcastsource.co.uk, which is still it's still around. Obviously, it's not been updated since 2001. Um, but the guy who created it kind of just kept the domain and, and kept the site up um, just kind of as almost a tribute to the Dreamcast. Um, it, it, it's not. So the writing that I did, I did a few reviews and features and stuff like that. I Was 16, it was not my best work. Uh, I I really liked exclamation marks when I was 16, and I really like using capital (laughs) letters. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was very excitable. Um, so it was, it was fine, but yeah, it, it, it was an interesting site, and it's you know, it's kind of it's where I started to meet like-minded people as well because we had a forum. Um, you know, we actually had our own little Dreamcast Source forum, which was amazing to me because there were things that big sites had and uh, at the time. And you know, the guy who ran it managed to uh, plug one into our site, and you know, so I got to chat to people who also really liked the Dreamcast and had a little community going. Um, and that was my first taste of you know, gaming a gaming community, and that's kind of. Um, what I love to this day is being able to chat to people, you know, about video games. You know, what, what's better than that?
1: Awesome. Yeah. And I, I'm just checking the, the website as we speak. Dreamcastsource.co.uk. It's definitely yes. early 2000s. Yes. Definitely. It is. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> all, the, all the little
0: ads to one side and polls and things like that. It's,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I like the, the the content on the, the, the main pages is, is great. A review mm. Sonic Adventures, Spider Man, uh, Worms Worms World Party, one of my favorite games on the Dreamcast. The mm. Skies of Arcadia, awesome, yeah, awesome, amazing, so much stuff.
0: Yes, yeah. yes, yes,
1: yes, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> okay, so uh, what would you say is your favorite game in the Dreamcast library, Andrew?
0: Oh, that's a uh, yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, okay, I mean, top I've...
1: top three if you want to.
0: T- oh, okay. Even that's difficult. Um, <laughs> there are just so there's so many good games. I mean, I would if I had to do top three, uh Code Veronica would be up there because it was a great Resident Evil game, and it's the reason I, that I kind of came to the system. Shenmue, um, I, I say a lot of people would class that as their favourite. Although to be fair, to, these days it's quite I a do. controversial opinion. I think a lot of people don't think the same. But but you you do you think the same I, way. I still do. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's my all time
1: favourite still
0: yes actually i, I mean I, I
1: i when i think about the two together not exactly just one i think one in in certain ways is better than two mm. uh but uh but i think the whole experience of the shenmu series yes it's still yes. my favorite yeah yeah
0: so, we can sorry together. that's yeah. one game keep going yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine no but i agree i do agree um and and one was so special at the time because it was nothing that you'd ever experienced before ever it was just yeah. that, the uniqueness of it and the realness of it as well and um, i've said before to other people that it, it felt like um you know games were uh, and they still are but they at the time they were like an escape from your normal life like going to school or you know going to your part-time mm-hmm. job or like your parents or whatever you know you was your escape from all of that stuff and it was being able to experience something that you just couldn't experience in real life and the thing with Shamu is it was real life. It was somebody's, you know, it was a facsimile of somebody's life in mm-hmm. Japan in in the 80s. Uh, it was based on something very real down to the weather systems that were correct to the day yeah. of when they were happening. So... It was, you know, it wasn't this fantasy game that you were slaying dragons or, you know, going on some kind of sci-fi adventure in a spaceship. You were doing something that you technically could, te- you know, you could do for real. You could go to those places if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... And, and I think
1: that there is a bit of what you said before. Um, mm. So I'm 36, so we're mm-hmm. almost the same age. So sure. it it were those years that were like our formative years as well. So mm. things that we experienced at the time. Stuck with us for a long time, influenced sure. our growth as well as as people, and so I think that's the the same thing for a lot of uh, other Shenmue fans. that were we were m- mostly all the same age uh, at the time, and, and so maybe that's why it stuck with us for such a long time. And also yeah. the fact that we wanted to know what what would happen next as well in
0: the story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's um, and that's I think that's the 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 fact that the reason that it's endured so much you know it was there was no new Shamu game for uh, for 18 years after two you know we waited for 18 years until three came out and people hounded you suzuki and you know they really (laughs) wanted to to see what happened next and that's like you say it's because it came at such an important time for a lot of people um that you know uh, some people i've spoken to so one of the podcasts i do which i'm sure we'll speak about later which is dcy um Steve, who is on that with me, one of my co-hosts, he's not so much of a fan of Shenmue, but even if you're not a fan of the game itself, you know, the systems perhaps haven't aged as well as some games. Mm-hmm. It's You know, it's not... it As a game, it's perhaps not the best, but it's not just about the game systems and how it works as a game. It's about the story. It's about the emotions that it gives you. And, uh, you know, you can almost... And I have overlooked the flaws in chemu because i enjoy the other things that it offers so much so and as and, and as time goes on as you, you know time marches on 18 years later that chemu 3 came out uh, people look at it with rose tinted glasses, they only remember the emotions that they felt and the, and the story yeah. that was told and how they felt. Um, and then it came to Shenmue 3 coming out, which, you know, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here. But it was, it, you know, it was almost like, oh, OK, it's a Shenmue game. I'd forgotten what these were like, they're, they, you know, they're not <laughs> the best in terms of systems. Um, so that's why it didn't maybe review or sell as well as it could have done, mm-hmm. but it but it still appealed to those people from twenty years ago who loved Shenmue, and then that's why it got made. But anyway, I digress. That was yeah. A, that was a but proper but by, tangent. by the way,
1: by the way, not not <laughs> wanting to to diverge too much from the top three thing, but uh, your thoughts on Shenmue three, by the way, as a fan.
0: So I it came at a time when I've been very busy, so I've only played about four or five hours of it unfortunately um i haven't finished it yet either no (laughs) i don't think a lot of people have weirdly but it's it's i kind of i shed a tear when it started put it that way when i first (laughs) when i first saw rio um and he was kind of walking through the really beautiful countryside with Mm -hmm. um shenhua and i was like oh my god this is where i left off 20 years ago and here it is again um yeah it was it was emotional for sure and then it was kind of picking up what Shemu is about again because I haven't really replayed them to any big degree since I first played them I think I've played bits of them here and there but because they're such huge games um, I've not replayed them as such but so Mm -hmm. getting back into those systems was interesting and it's a much slower burn as well because it's in a village rather than a a town or a city Um, I felt that like it was really slowly introducing you to things again which Mm -hmm. I quite liked but I do hope it picks up a little bit because it is quite slow the first few hours. So, yeah, Yeah, but I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah,
1: I I, I played a a little bit more than you, but uh, still haven't Mm. finished it. I I got into the second area of Mm -hmm. the game, not spoiling anything, but there's another town uh, later. And so um, it it definitely picks up. It opens up as well because not all of the village areas are open to you at first as well. So... Mm. They're they're really trying to get you into the swing of things again and introducing new concepts and whatnot. But yeah, it's definitely a Shenmue game, right? It's definitely what people wanted, uh, even if they don't remember, but that was (laughs) what what they wanted, like a, a Dreamcast, like a Shenmue 3 on the Dreamcast. This would be what we would get if we got a sequel back in the day
0: exactly yeah and that was weird because that was also people's complaint about it about it it's like yeah. oh, it's not moved with the times and it's like yeah but no people who backed the kickstarter didn't want a drastically different game they wanted mm-hmm. what Shenmue 3 would have been 20 years ago um they didn't mm-hmm. want they don't want like you know it to be some kind of weird assassin's creed hybrid grand theft auto <laughs> you know game <laughs> Um, they want it to be this slow um deliberate um you know emotionally charged game um it, it's not it's not a modern it's not a modern game at all and it shouldn't be um so i think they did well to stick with their guns and make it something that was of the time just with improved graphics
1: Mm -hmm. definitely yeah and so uh code veronica shenmue Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the rest of the top three (laughs) Uh,
0: so i have a difficult time deciding between crazy taxi and power stone because again two of my first dreamcast games but they informed quite a lot of what i enjoyed about the the system crazy taxi Mm -hmm. is almost the perfect arcade game it's just so much fun it's so colorful there's just so much to do and it and it defines the dreamcast as well to me it's it, it you know it has the if I think about Dreamcast, I pretty much instantly think of Crazy Taxi. Um, I spent so much time with that game. It's it, it's colourful like the Dreamcast was. It just embodies the Dreamcast to me. Mm-hmm. And then Power Stone, on the other hand, is not it's not a Sega game, but also it's an arcade title, which Sega are known for, even though it's a Capcom game. And it's just so unique. It, you know, it did something for fighting games that you know 3D fighters hadn't actually diverged much from you know side on view fight each other you know it was the same 2d it was the, it was 2d a 2d fighter with 3d graphics until Power Stone came along and Power Stone showed that you could do other things other than just have a side on fight with somebody you could use the whole 3d space you could actually run around and pick up objects and use them as yeah. part of the of the whole thing so yeah crazy taxi embodies the dreamcast as a whole and power stone to me almost embodies the um what dreamcast could do and and the fact that it was so unique and kind of groundbreaking as well um yeah so i guess top four yeah. then i'll say top, top four
1: <laughs> well if you want one more and we have a top five so
0: <laughs> oh okay um <laughs> uh I, I, you maybe know not <laughs> um, i'll just jet set radio jet set radio that okay, was a great game okay yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> definitely
1: some great picks i i know i know the feeling of you're know, struggling with with picking the best ones on the Dreamcast. Mm. Yeah, I know it's not 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 easy at all. No, okay, really so not. you you already mentioned um, what what made you like the the Dreamcast and whatnot, but then you at some point uh, decided to um, create a book about the the different years or at least the first year of the Dreamcast, right? So that was Dreamcast mm. Year One. Yeah. Would you like to That's tell right. us a little bit more more about how that came to be, how uh, you got the idea, um, how that happened?
0: Mm. Sure. Yeah. Um I mean so th- I mean obviously you know 2001 Dreamcast died and the fan site that I wrote for kind of died with it and mm-hmm. um, I, from then on I kind of just you know, I went to university I, I got a job I did normal normal life stuff and you know I I always gamed in between but any kind of writing really didn't didn't go anywhere and I occasionally wrote a few bits here and there I think I wrote for a friend's blog once about the Dreamcast and you know I, I, I you know I'd always kind of had this dream in the back of my head that I would do something one day I would one day I'd write something and I you know it was it was always one day one day one day and um I then became uh, I think when was this this would have been like 2015 maybe 2014. Uh, maybe 2013 i don't know but anyway at some point kickstarter happened um and kickstarter for me was this uh, I, i i was just using it as a consumer i absolutely loved that the people could go on there and they could fund their vision their creative vision and make something from it so you know you get board games video games books you know people who can't go through the traditional method of funding what they want to make so they you know they get it crowdfunded instead and I've I've backed a lot of projects on Kickstarter, a huge amount, and um, so it was there. I was kind of like, okay, if I was to do something, I could do it through Kickstarter. Um, seems like a good idea, you know. I, I you know I can find people who like the same stuff as me and and believe in what I want to do. But it wasn't until uh, there was one particular Kickstarter project that I backed called um, PlayStation Vita Year One, mm-hmm. which is by a gentleman called Sandy Bry. And he um, he was writing uh, about his favorite console, which is the PlayStation Vita. He's, you know, he's a dad and just like me, you know, he loved games when he was a kid and he continued to play them. But when he had children, he found it very difficult then to actually play games sat in front of the TV because it's just, you know, the kids wanted to watch cartoons and, (laughs) you know, he's busy and he's got loads of things to do. And he found that the PlayStation Vita, when he picked one of those up, you know, he could play that on the way to work. He could play in bed before he went to bed, you know, he could just kind of steal moments of time to play games that he really loved even with all the stuff that was happening in his life um i don't have kids but you know i enjoyed the vita anyway i think it's a great console and so i i backed the book um and the whole concept of that book was to kind of look at the first year and um you know how it how it came to be how sony created it what um you know how it was marketed how it launched and how it well how well it did with retrospectives on the games that launched and all that kind of stuff so i backed that and uh, you know i was very excited for it and eventually my copy arrived and i kind of looking through it and i was you know i was thinking to myself the whole time i was reading it that this you know they're not the same console they're not exactly the same in terms of their story but they're, the vita and the dreamcast are very similar in the fact that they were underdogs almost um Mm -hmm. and dreamcast definitely was an underdog and it was (laughs) um but you know they perhaps were finished too soon and um you know other consoles uh were kind of you know beating them in terms of you know for the the vita it was the the 3ds the 3ds kind of you know nintendo has the stranglehold on the handheld market and for the dreamcast it was the ps2 so I I figured, hey, you know, this seems like a great format to tell the story of the Dreamcast. Um, it's not something that's been done before <clears throat> in that particular format. And also I, I wanted to tell the story from a European perspective rather than kind of the American and the Japanese perspective that you would generally see when you read up about the Dreamcast. Um, so I approached Sandeep and I said, I really like the book and I really want to write a version of it, but about the Dreamcast. And he was like, sure. That's fine. Yeah, go for it. That would be great. (laughs) So um, he just kind of became, for the first book, he became a bit of a mentor and um, you know helped me in the initial stages to get things started and you know gave me feedback and advice. Um, And yeah, that's kind of how it got started. I just decided, hey, I'm going to do this. And and it came at a point in in time for my life as well where I was struggling personally with things like depression and uh, and anxiety and and just kind of a, a purpose um for my life you know I'd, I'd got to a point where you know I'd, I have a partner we have a house together I've got a job um and that's all great but what you know what do I want to do what, what's my life about is, is my life literally just about going to work making money paying bills um yeah. and that and that kind of felt like oh I don't I don't like that but it's it's necessary it's a necessary evil to live in the world we do so I was like okay well I've got to work I can't like leave my job and and, and you know pursue a crazy a crazy dream of writing um so i'll do it in this way i will you know i will use kickstarter which i'd found was a great tool for people to create things and i'll use this format that that Sandeepa created to uh tell a story in it's fairly you know it's fairly short form the first book is a hundred and it was 112 pages i think it ended up being 118 pages um so, was it 112? I can't even remember how many pages my own book was, but it was, it was <laughs> about 112 pages. But yeah, so it's a short book, so it's it's not like it would eat into my life significantly mm-hmm. enough that I wouldn't have to work. So it all just kind of came about, and I was like, right, I'm gonna kind of get myself out of this hole that I found myself in by doing something that I'm passionate about, you know, writing about the Dreamcast, which I've always been passionate about, um, and sharing that with other people. So that's really how the first book came about. It was it was about you know, me trying to get out of a bit of a dark place in my life and share my passion for the Dreamcast with other people.
1: Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to to write the book, by the way? It it wasn't something that you did all day long, so it wasn't a no, job, no. like, just a hobby. So like, yeah. how long did it take you to complete the, the thing?
0: So I kind of started... The first interview I did was in August 2018, and then the Kickstarter launched in March 2019, and I finished writing... I think it was December 2019 so it was just over a year in total Um, Mm -hmm. I mean by the time the Kickstarter had gone live about 20% of the book had been written Mm -hmm. so not a huge amount but enough that I could put together like a you know a pitch a a little sample version of the book and it was after the Kickstarter that I completed the rest of it but in actual fact the stuff that I wrote and did before the Kickstarter ended up getting quite uh, getting changed quite significantly because I didn't have an editor before the Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. Okay, and as a okay. result of the Kickstarter campaign, somebody approached me and was like, hey, I, I edit stuff. I'm more than happy to help you. Um, You know, and he, he's, he works for, this is Matt Gardner, who's the editor of uh, Dreamcast Year One. He'll be the editor for Dreamcast Year Two as well. Mm-hmm. He works for Forbes.com. Um, he has his own gaming website called Game Tripper uh, UK. And yeah, so he approached me, basically, and I said, sure, I'd not really thought about having an editor. I was just going to read through myself and make sure there are no typos. But sure, yeah, that sounds like a great idea <laughs> to have somebody actually read through my stuff. And everything got redone. And he kind of gave me this ability to uh, look at the writing process differently and... Um, make it much more professional than perhaps it was originally going to be you know it was it was more going to be like this you know a passion project um just gonna be me writing and you know maybe getting somebody to read through and make sure there were no typos like i say but yeah it it turned out that that, yeah it took a lot longer than i anticipated it took until december Mm -hmm. 2019 because it became much more of a a professional um thing Um, and i wanted to make sure it was perfect and so did matt so Yeah, it it could have been a shorter window, but um, to get it right, it it took longer, yeah.
1: Okay, makes sense, makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) If you want something to be good, you have to take your time with it, so. Very true, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. okay, awesome. So, by the way, why exactly, um, or what exactly did you ask uh, from Kickstarter people, from pledgers? uh, Why did you need people to contribute to this project, to help you out? What exactly... In and, and the same goes for this second one that we'll mm. we'll talk about next. What are the needs of of creating a Kickstarter project exactly you?
0: Sure. Um I mean really it's for so for the first one, it's it was about <clears throat> obviously there are costs involved in publishing the book and you know, that's a lot of people will take that on their own shoulders and they'll they'll kind of write the book and publish it and then they you know then they'll sell it and they'll make back the money that they that they put out um I don't have a huge amount of money I'm not I'm not a rich person um it costs I mean it costs (laughs) a good few thousand pounds to Mm -hmm. self-publish a book um and sure you know that it's possible I could have saved that money and and done it but it would have taken a huge amount of time for me to do that so the book would have taken a lot longer to come out but it wasn't just about that for me it was you know I could I, I could have done it myself but I kind of wanted the input and the um yeah the input from other people so the kickstarter campaign was it was making sure that there was enough people who would actually be interested in the book in the first book especially that they would want to put money in and and make it happen um and also to get feedback and, and input from people because Without the campaign, I wouldn't like I said I wouldn't have had my editor. I wouldn't have had Matt. Um, there's a bunch of c- uh, contributors who I found as a result of the Kickstarter. So, for example, Bernie Stolar, who uh, the you know the ex president of Sega yeah. America. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I would not have been in touch with him if it wasn't for the Kickstarter because uh, Jordan, who this uh, Jordan Freeman, the guy who put me in touch with him, he found the Kickstarter, he backed it, and then he got in touch with me and said, "Hey, I I know Bernie." do you want to talk to him I was like yeah sure so a lot of 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 the big stuff from the book actually came out of me going through kickstarter and if I hadn't have done that you know it would have just been me writing it on my own and it would have been very a a very insular project Uh, I wouldn't have had as much stuff in it it wouldn't have I don't think it would have been as good um so yeah so kickstarter yeah it's about you know making sure that there's the interest there to start with it's getting the funds to be able to pay to have the book published um and and also you know being able to have that um contribution from other people from other fans um which is why we also had we had a tier where people could contribute a 100 word retrospective to the book uh because there's just so many great games and there's no i've not played them all there's no way i could cover them all so <laughs> i figured if you know if i give people the opportunity to write a small piece about a game that i've not covered you know that that's a way of being able to talk about more games in the book and yeah it's mm-hmm. the same thing that we're going to do for the second book as well
1: okay awesome and so the first uh kickstarter was a success and the the mm-hmm. the, the the book is out people uh got it and now you decided to create a year two book mm. right bigger better can you tell yes. us a little bit about that
0: <laughs> yeah um yeah, I mean, the intention was always to do more than one book, um, depending on how the first book was received. And mm-hmm. thankfully, as you say, it it did well. It it funded. People seem to enjoy it. So yeah, I went on and I figured, hey, year two is the is what we're going to do next. So, like you said, it's bigger and better. It's it's year two of the Dreamcast, and in Europe, um, there were so many big games that came out in the second year. I mean, this is the year that Shenmue came out, or the year that Jet Set Radio came out um you know the big games basically the majority of the big games came out in this second year and also it was the year that the dreamcast got discontinued so Yay. Um, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um so lots so, of really so, positive so stuff, many but... good
1: things but also that bittersweet feeling
0: right exactly yeah yeah so it was it's a really interesting year um and because of the fact there were so many games it just automatically had to be bigger um you know the there was a one point where i i thought So, the the first book was constrained in size because of shipping. Um, So, when you get past 250 grams, uh, this is very technical here, when you get past 250 grams for shipping, the the price goes up quite a lot. So, um, what Sandeep had done with his first book is keep it under that level um, in order to be able to ship it for a decent amount. So, I did the same with the first book. And um, it was, you know, it it meant that we could ship for a decent price, but it also meant that we could only do 112 pages. so that wasn't going to cut it for year two because there's just too much so at first i was thinking about putting year two into two parts so making uh, year two part one year two part two and -hmm. having two separate kickstarters and all of that kind of stuff and um the more i thought about it it was like actually no it belongs in the same book and um yes the shipping costs will go up um but people are getting more for their money so it's you know it's it's not so big of a deal so yeah there's uh double the amount of retrospectives as there were in year one there's um more interviews so far there's going to be a whole new section in the book um and a load more perks as well so last time it was pretty much just the book and i produced a sticker as well and this time there's a book there's a zine there's a mini disc there's um a reprint of the first book so there's a bunch of there's a bunch of stuff that we're doing this time around as well
1: awesome awesome so a lot of people that worked on the first one are returning as well right
0: yeah yeah everybody except the illustrator um Mm -hmm. is returning and then we've got a lot of new people as well
1: awesome um You've included people that, l- like Corey Marshall, for example, mm-hmm. who is uh, you've added to the to the team of contributors. Um, you have, uh, for example, the coder for V Rally Two on the Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Michael, I think, or Mikhail Pointier. <laughs> yeah, I, I never <laughs>
0: want to pronounce it. I've only seen <laughs> his name written. I've never had to pronounce it, so. <laughs> I don't want to do his name a disservice by Mike, pronouncing it wrong. Uh, perhaps. <laughs> Mike, yeah, we'll say Mike. <laughs> M P.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so a lot of people that that uh, know the industry, uh, John Lineman from from Digital Founder uh, Foundry, sorry, Digital Foundry, um, yep. Eurogamer. So people who know the industry as well. Uh, so that, that's a lot of good input for this second book. What are you expecting from this second book? I'm expecting it to to fund this project to be funded in a day, but what about you
0: you think so um <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that would be great um so the the first book took three three and a half weeks to fund it it mm-hmm. nearly it was getting towards the end and I was biting my nails I was really stressed <laughs> and thinking this isn't going to make it I'm not going to do it and uh, I mean in the end it, it funded and then it funded more so I think mm-hmm. we funded I think it was like 116 percent or something like that so it, it funded more than it needed to which was great this time yeah day one yeah let's let's say day one it needs to fund on day one right (laughs) but realistically i would be happy if it funded in a week or so i mean i've set the first stretch goal is set so that if it funds by the 9th of august um your birthday right my birthday yeah. yes so um if people can get it to fund by my birthday which would be an amazing birthday present i will kind of throw in a sticker like i did last time um as the first stretch goal so we'll see we'll see so the Mm -hmm. 9th of august is my goal if we can fund by then i'll be happy
1: Okay, that's amazing. That's amazing. Awesome. So, what are uh, some of the stretch goals that you have um, lined up for this, apart from the sticker? Anything you can mm. share at this point?
0: Ah, I'm trying to think. So, I, I didn't want to do too much in terms of stretch goals because the book itself I wanted to make sure was complete and I wasn't leaving anything out and, mm-hmm. you know, having to. Because that's one thing that I hate and I know a lot of people hate about Kickstarter is when, especially for video games, when people leave things out and then add them back in later when they've reached a certain amount of money um and it's understandable to a degree you know obviously it costs money to add those features in and you know they want to make sure the game gets made first and foremost and that's fine but when it comes to a book I figured hey everything needs to be in there so you know there's nothing being added to the book there's nothing being added to the zine or anything like that the stretch goals will all be additional items so I can't I, I don't want to say exactly what they're going to be yet one, because they're not really 100% pinned down, but also I, I want to leave some kind of surprise. But suffice it to say, they're separate items and maybe more in the vein of the sticker, I guess, mm-hmm. but perhaps better than the sticker.
1: So two stickers.
0: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> What's better than one sticker? Exactly. <laughs> two stickers. <laughs> uh,
1: so, yeah, so that, that's great news. So people can expect the, the book itself to be... Mm-hmm you know it's what you want it to be so nothing will be added it's that thing everyone yeah. will get that book that version of yes. the book and then whatever else you want to add will be different rewards right
0: exactly yeah okay yeah okay
1: excellent Ex- that sounds good uh uh the the kickstarter is going live next week right andrew
0: that's right yeah absolutely oh, on on tuesday yep tuesday the 28th yes. 28th.
1: Okay, so people can check that out uh, at that point. And, you know, no pressure, but 24 hours to fund the project, people. So Exactly, yeah. Exactly, yeah, no pressure, yep. no pressure at all.
0: Yeah, make sure you back. I mean, there's loads of different tiers as well. So um, you, can, you can back for a lot of money if you want to, or if you really just only want the book, you can just back for that. And um, there's add-ons this time as well. So if you want two books, then you can have two books, just add-on. So mm. let's get there in twenty four hours. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm holding you to this now. I'm gonna. You need to make this happen. <laughs> so if no
1: one else backs the project, I'll have to back the entire with with the entirety yes. of the money in the first exactly. day. My God, <laughs> there goes my mortgage. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's take a quick pause from from the book and and focus mm. a little bit on the podcast. So uh, mm. following the success of the the first book right? Uh, Mm -hmm. You ended up creating a podcast as well. Uh, Would you like to tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah. Um, So, I mean, podcasting is something that was very new to me when I started the book. Um, I mean, Twitter was new to me at that point. I was not very much of a social media person. I used Facebook a little bit, um, but Twitter was something I didn't really use. And I got into Twitter and ended up speaking to loads of people in the gaming scene, the retro gaming scene to promote the book um got invited onto a couple of podcasts to talk about it Um i ended up becoming a team member on a couple of different places but you know while i was producing the book um, and going through the kickstarter i realized that hey i like podcasting um it's really interesting it's you know it's fun i get to talk about games which is something i love mm-hmm. to do um and what i didn't want to do is is kind of Copy what a lot of people have already done. So I didn't want to, you know, I was doing a Dreamcast book, and it would be really easy for me just to do a podcast about Dreamcast. Um, but you know, we've got places like um, the Dreamcast Junkyard who focus solely on the Dreamcast, and you know, I don't want to kind of, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do what they do better than they could do it. So I didn't see the point in in kind of doing a, another Dreamcast podcast. So what I decided to do was um, kind of use the idea that you know I was making a book uh, year one, I was going to be going to do year two. So this whole concept of years, and uh, it kind of got me to thinking about the Dreamcast years. You know, the years that the Dreamcast was current on the market, um, and what else was going on at that time. You know, it wasn't just the Dreamcast. It was there was a lot of other gaming stuff happening, and you know, it really occurred to me that those were the those were the years in gaming that I enjoyed gaming the most. Um, and it wasn't just well, the, you know, it wasn't just for the Dreamcast. It was PlayStation. It was Xbox. It was GameCube. All those kind of consoles. And i figured i could do a podcast talking about these these years uh that the dreamcast was active um and talking about the different games that were released around that time and you know discussing them um with people with guests and um kind of rating them a little bit um so yeah i decided to do the dreamcast years podcast or dcy podcast um and what we do is every every episode um we're not particularly regular we kind of do it as we can fit it into our schedules but myself uh, my good friend steve and uh, my other good friend rich um we all uh, discuss uh, kind of these games of different years and we the years that we've chosen to do are between 1997 and 2008 um so it's kind of a year either side of the dreamcast being current so the dreamcast mm-hmm. obviously came out in japan in 1998 and the last officially licensed dreamcast game came out in 2007 in japan so yeah so we chose those particular years because you know this is when the dreamcast was current but also a lot of amazing games came out during those years um yeah. and yeah so we, we talk about we talk about games during that time um mm-hmm. and we have guests like we had cory marshall on was our was our last guest yeah. uh, to talk about 2003 um and yeah it's just a lot of fun
1: yeah I-, I like this approach as you said it's not the 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 thing that you're expecting from a Dreamcast podcast. Mm. (laughs) So I like this approach. And then you have the the Game of the Year edition, right? So you have the regular uh, podcast episode, and then Mm -hmm. you'll have the, after that, uh, like a companion uh, episode dedicated to the Game of the Year of that year right
0: yes yeah that's right so yeah in the main podcast it'll be the three of us plus the guest discussing and you know rating games and just talking about that year in general and then the game of the year edition um we will just just me steve and rich um we'll each bring a game that we think was the game of the year and then we'll have to pitch it so we have a minute to pitch the game to each other and um at the end uh, a, a poll goes up on Twitter. So for a week after the after that episode comes out, people on Twitter get the opportunity to vote for which of the games that we've pitched they think was the game of the year. Um, and then what will happen is as a result of that, obviously, one of those games then becomes the DCY game of that year. Um, but also the person who won, whose game it was that, that kind of won the, uh, the the poll, they'll get to pitch two games the next time. So rather than just getting to pitch one, they pitch two. And the person who lost, the person with the least votes, has to do some kind of forfeit. Um, so their, their minute <laughs> gets interrupted in various different ways. And uh, it's quite... Quite funny, um so yeah, we we do that as kind of a companion, and uh, yeah, it's quite it's quite good fun.
1: it's fun, yeah, very good, so people should definitely check this out the Dreamcast Years podcast, okay, yes. Andrew, let's take a break, yeah. and uh, when we come back, I have a surprise for you, okay, okay. so I hope you like surprises um yeah, <laughs> interesting, interesting is a way to put it, yes, uh, but maybe not not so much, but we'll see okay. Tired of listening to the same music on the radio over and over again? Wouldn't it be great if you could have a station that played your favorite Sega music and remixes 24 hours a day, 7 days a week? Luckily, there's Radio Sega, an online radio station dedicated to the best in Sega and Atlas music. And you can request your favorites at any time. Plus, Radio Sega has live shows every single day of the week, including a first-hand preview of the Sega Lounge. You can find the full schedule of shows and listen to the station by going to RadioSega.net. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7. Back, Andrew Dickinson. Hello. I hope you're ready for what comes uh, next.
0: I'm yes. nervous now. I'm uh, nervous. You should
1: you should be. You should be. So <laughs> we, we have a sort of a tradition here. Okay. Uh around the, the Sega Lounge. Um so every week our guests have to go through something we like to call the Sega Lounge Challenge. Now that you know our guests, it's time to put them to the test. It's the moment we've waited for. And the moment they dread. Welcome to your doom. I mean, welcome to the Sega Lounge Challenge. <laughs>
0: Ooh, exactly.
1: That, that's what everyone says. Ooh, and that's the correct. <laughs> that's the correct um, reaction to, to this. Good. So it can be anything I want, right? So mm-hmm. it many different things. This time I thought, okay, so I, I'm in the presence of like Dreamcast royalty, like a man who knows um, quite possibly everything about Dreamcast.
0: I won't go uh, that far, uh, but okay, <laughs>
1: uh, l- 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 just go with it. And uh, okay. <laughs> so I created the Dreamcast Challenge. What is the Dreamcast Challenge? <laughs> uh, I'm not very good with names, but um, it's a 10-part challenge. Okay. Okay. It includes music. And questions. So I will, I will w- want to test your uh, music knowledge, your Sega music or Dreamcast music knowledge and yeah. your Dreamcast and Sega knowledge. But everything, uh, at least in a way, is remotely at least related to the Dreamcast. Okay? Okay. So depending on what type of question or challenge it is, you can get up to two points. So, in, to a maximum of 20 points. Okay. So, obviously, at least 10 points to break yep. even and to, to get the, the official Sega Lounge seal of approval.
0: Okay. <laughs> now I know that there's that. I need to get the official Sega Lounge seal of approval. It has to happen.
1: It has to happen, of course. <laughs> so, are, Andrew, are you ready for the Dreamcast Challenge?
0: Ooh, ready as it'll ever be. Go for it. Of course. <laughs> so, we'll start with... Uh, uh
1: the Sega question number one mm-hmm. you can pick an easy question or a hard question if you pick an easy question, you'll get one point with the correct answer uh two points for a hard question with the correct answer
0: oh oh, um
1: it's a game of strategy as well
0: yeah well, I think i need to I need to suss out. How hard the questions are. So I think for the first question, let's go for a hard one and see see what I'm dealing with.
1: <laughs> okay, so the hard question for this first one: Andrew mm. Dickinson in Jet mm. Set Radio, one of the games that you have included in your top five. What is yep. the name of the gang that runs the Koganecho area of Tokyo? Oh my! The
0: name of the uh-huh. gang
1: that runs Koganicho.
0: I can't remember any of the names of any of the (laughs) games. Uh, um, I have a hint for you. I I have a
1: hint for you. It's not the GGs.
0: Right, okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I can picture the different gangs in my head, and I feel like there was one with, like... They had like a broken. They were like kind of dressed in black, maybe, and they had there was like a broken heart. I, I'm, I'm don't know mm-hmm. if I'm thinking of the right one, but I can't. And I feel like that might be them, but I can't think of their name. And I really, I can't even guess. I really can't even guess. Um, no, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have nothing, to pass. Nothing. No. Oh.
1: So the ones that you're referring to are the Love Shockers.
0: That's it. yeah. It's the correct them,
1: answer, though, is not the Love Shockers. Okay. Is Poison Jam. Poison Jam. That's the correct Mm. answer. So no points in this first part of the challenge, but no worries. No worries. Mm. Still 18 points uh, at stake. So let's go with number two. Okay. Sure. Number two is guess a game from a song. Okay. So I will play 10 seconds of a song from a Dreamcast game. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, What I want you to do is to tell me what game this is from, and if you can tell me the title or where in the game it plays, you'll get an additional point. So one point for the game, one point for the track. Got Mm -hmm. it? So let's take a listen to this first one. I hope you can hear this. I think so.
0: Um and it's I'm, I've got like images in my head, and it it feels like it could be Fantasy Star Online, but uh, but part of me is like, no, no, that's not what it is. Um,
1: Should I play it again?
0: Yeah, go and play it again.
1: Let's take a listen.
0: Mm. Um, it's been a long time since I've played Fantasy Star Online. Um, uh, uh, and I just know this is not the answer to it. But it kind of, I, I don't know, it, it, my, my brain is telling me it's the lobby music for Fantasy Star Online. Somebody's going to, some, whoever's listening to this is going to be shouting and saying, no, that's not what it is. You're completely wrong. <laughs> but it's, it's all I can think of. It's all that's in my head. And that's just going to have to be the answer I go for.
1: So, your answer final answer is the lobby music from uh, fantasy star online is it
0: yes that's right are you sure no but that's the only answer (laughs) i can think of
1: (laughs) andrew dickinson your answer is incorrect unfortunately (laughs) it's the title screen from echo the dolphin defender of the future
0: Mm, one of the mm. games I've played the least. Uh- <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: Good to know. Good to know. Okay. So let's go with number three. Challenge number three is another Sega okay. question. So, again, you can pick between an easy question and a hard question.
0: It feels like I'm not going to have many chances to do easy questions now. To get to 10, I need to answer a lot of hard questions. So, mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to continue with the hard questions. Go for it. a Hard question.
1: Okay, so hard question is, in the first Shenmue game, what is the number of the warehouse where Ryo finds Master Chen?
0: Oh, somebody told me this the other day, and we're having a discussion about Shenmue, and um, it's about the forklift driving, and so one of... um. One of uh, Rich from the DCY podcast, he mm-hmm. um, in he learned how to be a forklift driver as a result of Shenmue. And we we're having Amazing. this discussion. <laughs> yeah. And he was discussing and we were talking about the warehouse and it was.
1: <sighs> so you have to sneak into yeah. the warehouse at night.
0: That's right. I have remember. to avoid
1: the guards and whatnot.
0: It's just a number. I, I've got two numbers in my head mm-hmm. and I need to decide between them. It. It will be neither of them. Of course it will. I'm, I'm not going to get this right. Um, but it's either 9 or 16 that I've got in my head. And I feel like I want to go with 16. 9 is my mm-hmm. lucky number, but I feel like 16 is probably correct out of the two. You'll tell me, I'm guessing. So,
1: so your answer is number 16?
0: 16, hmm
1: Your answer is incorrect <laughs> it was not nine though it was eight okay. warehouse eight? number oh. eight so very close <sighs> to your lucky number uh, if you want to be technical the old <sighs> warehouse number eight because there are two okay. warehouse districts in the yokosuka harbor at uh, least in the game uh, and it's episode, it's uh, warehouse number eight okay okay so next okay. challenge <laughs> This is turning out to be harder than I thought, uh, yes. which, I, which I'm enjoying very much, to be honest. <laughs> I'm glad you're enjoying it. <laughs> so this is, this is a one-off. Guess the track from lyrics. So Instead Ooh, okay. of music, I will recite the lyrics to a song uh, that's part of a Dreamcast game.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. The
1: question is, can you identify at least the game for one point or the track for an extra point? Okay. Okay, so here it goes. <clears throat> when we first got together, everything felt so right. You said you wanted to be with me, said you wanted to hold me tight. But after all is said and done, where do I go from here? That's it.
0: Oh, <laughs> so I almost could hear it in my head. Um, <laughs> should, I, should
1: I read this again? Or can maybe. I can I ask? Was, 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 yes. was
0: this isn't going to be? A, I'm, I'm worried this is going to be a trick question. Were, were were the words sung in English or were they sung in Japanese? And you've translated? No, no, them? No, 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 in English, in English. Okay, good. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, yeah, read them again just to make sure I. So can this.
1: <clears throat> when we first got together, everything felt so right. You said you wanted to be with me. Said you wanted to hold me tight. But after all is said and done. Where do I go from here?
0: So there's I don't think there's a huge amount of games on the Dreamcast that have um, tracks with vocals um, the ones that I can think of are the Sonic event, both Sonic Adventure, I'm pretty sure one had a vocal track, but I know two did for a fact, uh, a couple of rap tracks as well. But I'm guessing that's not a rap. Um, there's Metropolis Street Racer, which obviously had music created for it as well as licensed music can i ask if it's a licensed track or an original track or is that is that a, too much of a question to ask
1: this is an original track
0: original track okay it's nice to my not yes it is it is okay okay um jessa radio had original tracks and licensed tracks um oh, i'm struggling i'm really uh, I, f- I feel like i'm like the worst Dreamcast fan right now um <laughs> No, no, I
1: I don't think I don't think I I would maybe I would with these exact words, but uh, most songs just by hearing the lyrics being read by another person, I wouldn't get them. So yeah, okay. Don't worry. Um, I I will give you one hint. Okay. So this is an original song for the Mm -hmm. game. The both the composer and the vocalist had worked in. Uh, another Sega game before, or another okay. game in a Sega system.
0: Okay, um, that doesn't help. Not, yeah, <laughs> 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 it's going to help somebody. I, the, the The good thing about this this quiz is going to test a lot of people <laughs> who are listening as well, um, and they're gonna they're gonna go, "Hey, I am a better Sega fan than Andrew Dickinson," so all is good. <laughs> I'm my guess, my absolute guess is that it is, oh, hang on. I'm just, I'm, I'm flashing all the Dreamcast games that I know through so my you head. said you
1: said uh, Sonic Adventure 1 and 2, mm-hmm. right? You had, uh, you said yeah. Metropolis Street Racer. You said Jet Set Radio. Yeah. Does any of them sound like it could be the one for this, for these lyrics?
0: The, on, the only one that I feel it could be, and it's because there's this one song with a female vocalist in metropolis street racer i cannot remember the name of the song but it's kind of it has like it's a, it's an upbeat it's a love song and it feels like that could be the lyrics to that i'm so bad at remembering things though but that is gonna have to be my guess i don't know the name of the track but it's so you, your I think guess it's metropolis is metropolis,
1: street, metropolis racer. street racer is it
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: your guess is
0: correct <laughs> yes wow this is oh my goodness. am i only
1: dreaming from metropolis street racer the, the, the duo involved here is Richard Jakes, the composer. Yes. Uh, not many people like him these days for things <laughs> he said on social media. Uh, and the lovely TJ Davis. So they had worked before uh, in Sonic R. So oh, okay. They Interesting. Had, uh, done a lot of songs. And she sings another, uh, other songs from, from Metropolis Street Crystal as well. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. one point, one point, yeah, okay. One, let, one's let, good, I'll take let, one. <laughs> let's, let's see what happens in the next uh, six parts of the challenge. Number mm-hmm. five is another Sega question, so easy or hard?
0: See, I know that there's going to be more um, ones about songs, and I'm so bad with titles that the most I'm going to get out of those is one point. So for the Sega questions, I am going to have to go for a hard question again, <laughs> just, just for <laughs> a chance.
1: Okay, so I will give you a hard question now, okay. I'm no, not sure if this is hard, but okay. Um, in Virtual Fighter Three TB, what does the TB in the title stand for?
0: I definitely know this one. That's 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 good. Um, <laughs> TB stands for Team Battle.
1: So you're saying Virtual Fighter Three TB is actually Virtual Fighter Three Team Battle.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
1: Is that your final answer?
0: You're making me doubt myself. I, I wrote about this, so I'm definitely sure. <laughs> Don't make me doubt myself now. Yes, so that's my final answer.
1: Andrew Dickinson, your answer is correct. <laughs>
0: yes, <Hooray>. it is. <laughs> <laughs> For a second there, I was like, I wrote about this in my book. I'm, if I'm wrong about this, this is going to look really bad. No, yeah. that That's
1: <laughs> part of the challenge. So, uh, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so two points. Awesome. That's mm. your three points in. Let's let's see what happens next. Number okay. six is another guess a game from a song challenge. So okay. let's take a listen to the second song in this challenge. Let's let's okay. hear this.
0: Oh, now then. Um, Any guesses? Again, there's no way I'm going to ever guess a title. It sounds sounds like a Sonic song. Now I've got to figure out if it's Adventure 1 or Adventure 2. Um,
1: Shall I play it again?
0: Yeah, once more.
1: Okay, let's see if this brings back any memories. Okay. there's there's a, an epicness mm, to this song like a an, an adventure feel right
0: exactly you you're going to tell me in a minute that it's not sonic at all but my my guess my guess is uh it it doesn't feel like sonic adventure 2 uh, it also doesn't uh...
1: so my, some, something yeah. epic something adventurous
0: you know. so now i'm thinking it could be something like skies of arcadia um but my my memory of that music is is hazy at best i've wanted to get the vinyl soundtrack of that for a long time so if i had have got that i would know whether or not this was in fact <laughs> Skies of arcadia but i don't own that soundtrack um no i don't yeah it does it's reminiscent of sonic adventure to a degree but i'm i'm feeling like it's not but you could just be throwing me off uh, oh, um
1: i'm just here to help
0: you yeah of course that's, what, that's, of course that's what you'll <laughs> say <laughs> um okay i'm gonna i'm gonna have to i'll, I'll give you an answer but it's gonna uh-huh. be the opposite to whatever i say um I'll, I'll say skies of arcadia
1: any guesses regarding the track title or something uh, no uh,
0: uh, so ju- um, just going for the game, yeah. Just again, I could never guess the track. I'm I'm bad with track titles for for things like this. So yeah, I'll just say mm-hmm. I'm guessing "Skies of Arcade is the game.
1: So it's it's got an epic feel to it. It's like something adventurous, like yeah. for example, maybe an adventure that Sonic got into. Maybe perhaps no, no. No, See? it's definitely Skies of Arcadia. Uh-huh. Good job. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. I was helping. Oh, I was helping. You were helping. You were helping. Yes. You were helping. That's and good. And I, I don't usually do this. So, yeah. <laughs> so, one point. One point. Good job. Yes. Good job. Four points. Thanks. Uh, let's go with number seven. So, <laughs> Sega question again. Easy or hard? I think I know the answer.
0: Uh, hard. Yeah, let's go hard. Yeah. Let's
1: go hard. Okay. Uh, which of the following versions of Virtuous Striker 2 was the only one to be ported to the Dreamcast? Which of the following okay. v- versions? So there are four versions of the arcade game: 98, Virtua Star- Striker 2, 98, 99, 2000, or 2000.1. Which of these was the only one to be ported to the Dreamcast as so Virtua Striker 2?
0: I know mm-hmm. this for a fact. Um, so okay. we had to well, I had to put the list the library section at the back of the book together for all the PAL games that got released during year one. Um there's a lot of games. I had to find all of the titles, the release dates. The release dates were so hard to find, um, which you wouldn't think they would be. One of the games that released in year one was Virtua Striker Two, which was two thousand point one, version two thousand point one.
1: So not 2000 or 99 or no, 2000.1, nope, one, for sure. Point
0: one, for sure.
1: No doubt about it.
0: Yeah. No doubt about it. No, no doubt about it.
1: So, unfortunately, your answer is correct. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you really like to misdirect Two me there, do <laughs> <laughs> Two
1: points.
0: So six Hooray. points so
1: far, six points, mm. almost at that midway mark of 10 points. Let's see what happens with challenge number eight. You guessed mm-hmm. it. is It's another game, another song actually from a, a game, okay. but this is the hard mode because it's Ooh. the last one. Okay. So it's in reverse.
0: Oh my. Okay. So
1: <laughs> what could it be? 10 second long clip mm-hmm. and the track is in reverse. Let's take a listen. Okay.
0: oh that's that's (laughs) difficult um i'm gonna need to hear it again straight away (laughs) of
1: course let's let's get to it Mm.
0: it's difficult because when hearing it backwards it, it it sounds like a very urgent song but because it's backwards it also sounds like it's a little bit menacing but I'm guessing it's not that when it's played forward it's probably not a menacing song um I feel like I feel like it's Sonic Adventure 2 but I couldn't give you a track title again because I, I bad at that stuff um and I'm not 100 percent sure um, but it, it it sounds it sounds kind of in that vein.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I I can't
1: mm-hmm.
0: I can't be sure. But yeah, Sonic Adventure Two would be my Sonic guess Sonic Adventure Two. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: I'm I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna okay. play the track not in reverse. Okay. See if you think still think the same way. Okay. Let's take a listen.
0: That's Sonic Adventure 1. So? <laughs> pretty, pretty sure.
1: <laughs> 1, 2, something well, different?
0: It's, <laughs> it's, it's Sonic Adventure 1.
1: So, no no track?
0: I can't tell you the track. I'm, I'm, I'm or pretty where sure it's it from the, the game? first... It's the first level. Again, don't ask me the name of the first level, but it's the... Um, yeah, it's the... With the whale. I'm pretty mm. certain that is, that is what it is.
1: So as I said before, not just the track title, but if you could tell me in the game where it plays, it's the first level. So it's Sonic Adventure. This is Azure Blue World from Emerald Coast in in Sonic Adventure. So two points. Yes. Yes. Not in reverse was was better, right? In reverse is too hard. (laughs) <laughs> it was. Defi- it
0: was definitely. I could tell it was Sonic Adventure. I was just. I was really struggling to. It, 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 I don't know. There was something about this set in reverse. It sounded like a Sonic Adventure <laughs> two track. <laughs> That's really weird.
1: Okay. So eight points. If Ooh, I'm not mistaken. Getting closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two questions to go. Two questions. The number nine is a question. It's the last one where you have a chance of answering an easy. Question, because the last one is the final one, so it's a hard question. So, so the
0: last question is automatically two points?
1: Yes, or okay. or zero if you answer, answer it incorrectly. True, true. <laughs> um, so, all right, so
0: either I go hard. for… A, uh, so if I go for easy, if uh-huh. I only get one point, then the mm-hmm. next question I either get no points, which means I lose anyway, or I get uh-huh. two points, which means I get 11, so I, uh-huh. I won anyway. I might as well go for a hard question then, might I?
1: I think that is the the correct decision. So, hard question is In which Dreamcast game did David Bowie make two cameo appearances, apart from contributing to the soundtrack?
0: I definitely know this as well. Um, (laughs) It has two titles, depending on where in the world you are. Um, It is Omicron, The Nomad Soul, or if you're from Europe, The Nomad Soul.
1: That is an excellent. uh, answer is it the correct one though
0: i'm i'm hoping so
1: (laughs) and you're hoping right because it is the correct answer well (laughs) done So 10 points 10 points so (laughs) this final question is like it's the victory lap
0: yes so
1: So, or not let's see
0: we'll see final
1: question two (laughs) points What is the name of the Dreamcast puzzle game published by Sega that was not released commercially, but was instead bundled in various ways, including in the UK with the official Dreamcast magazine? It's a puzzle game published by Sega.
0: I do know it, but I feel like I might have the title slightly incorrect, but it's... It got, so it got really, yeah, like you say, it got released in a demo disc for the official Dreamcast magazine here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, I'm pretty certain it's Sega Swirl.
1: Sega Swirl is your final answer.
0: Sega Swirl is my final answer.
1: Ah, uh, Andrew, mm-hmm. Sega Swirl is the correct answer well done <laughs> thanks goodness so that means 12 <laughs> points you pass yeah. our sega Lounge challenge <laughs> that's good well
0: done. Well i feel done. good about that i'm glad i got 12 because i feel like i feel like there was a slight <laughs> bit of cheating on the sonic adventure one because i'm sure you wouldn't have played that forward if i was better <laughs> so i can comfortably it, it, it say i really, got really i got through
1: Okay, yes, yes, you did, you did. So well done, well <laughs> done, good job. Uh, Sega <sighs> Swirl, by the way, is, is a game that I like very much. I have very fond memories yeah. of. Uh, I, I'm, I'm from Portugal, but I, mm-hmm. I actually, um, I, I had a, like a kiosk that I had the, the official Dreamcast magazine over here. And so mm-hmm. I, I used to, to buy the, the magazines here and it came with one of the demo discs and I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah.
0: there's something great about demo discs like you just you don't get them anymore and there was something really cool about being able to try something um that you would just never have thought to try because there's demos mm-hmm. these days but you have to choose to download it whereas you got given it as part of a magazine and you just kind of, you kind of go oh it's on there i'll give it a try i'll see what it's like and you got to discover so many cool new games that way you just don't yeah. get to do that anymore
1: you rarely uh, download demos for games that you don't think you'll enjoy right so exactly or you yeah, know exactly. nothing about yeah we have so true. much to play these days it's, it's hard exactly. to get through everything so <laughs>
0: i've still got dreamcast games i've not played that i need to play oh, oh. that's how many games i've got
1: go. oh same here same here <laughs> yeah okay so well done andrew so before we go um mm-hmm. let's let's uh, help people with with all the kickstarter stuff so it goes live on tuesday so depending on yep. when people are listening to this episode of the sega launch it It could possibly be live right now. So how can people find um, the Kickstarter project? What's the best way to follow you guys and and find the the Kickstarter page as well?
0: Sure. Um, So there is a link to the Kickstarter page, but it's very long to read out. So probably the best thing to do, um, you can go on to Kickstarter if you're listening between the 28th of July and the 27th of August will be live on Kickstarter if you go there and just search for Dreamcast year two unofficial book um you will find us on the Kickstarter um you can also go to Twitter um and there I am at oddment84 Uh, that's my personal account you'll find a lot i'll talk a lot about the book there and also you can find us at dreamcast years where we talk about the podcast and also the book Um, if you're on facebook i do post there from time to time and um, that is if you search for dreamcast years uh, on facebook you'll find us as well so i'll I'll generally post links and things on facebook for people to find too
1: Mm -hmm. awesome And obviously just check out the show notes for all the links uh, and including the Kickstarter page link, it will be there there as well. So uh, check that out and and give it a a read, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. figure out if you have want to 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 pledge. I think people should. What are some of the perks or tiers that people will have a b- um. available to pledge?
0: I mean you can back um and get a digital copy of the book um basically everything comes with a copy of the zine uh dcy zine uh, which is going to be kind of like the podcast and it'll look at other consoles other than the dreamcast when the dreamcast was on the market so lots of little articles and artwork in there so you'll you can get yeah a copy of the book a copy of the zine either digitally or physically um, there's a reprint of dreamcast year one uh, so if you missed the first time around because we're sold out now then we'll be doing a reprint that you can get your hands on um, you can have your name in the book you can um, have 100 words of a, a retrospective in the book at the very highest tier um also we're doing a an exclusive episode of the dreamcast years podcast that's only going to be available available physically um so you can uh you can get our mini disc which is going to be like a really deluxe fully printed mini disc with a case and liner notes and everything uh because you know mini disc is yeah definitely from that era and it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of a lost a lost media just like the dreamcast a lost thing um there's going to be a limited number of those and if you back at a certain tier you can pitch your favorite dreamcast game for a minute just like the game of the year podcast uh you can pitch <laughs> your favorite dreamcast game for a minute if you back at a certain tier um if you don't want to get a mini disc or if you're not interested in pitching um we're also going to release it on cd um a, kind of a, a basic cd version but it will never come out digitally so it's going to be an episode of the podcast. That will only you have be available to listen to physically
1: awesome awesome so those are a lot of incentives to to back i i'm mm. especially fond of the the reprint of the first book because i never mm. got to to actually uh support the first kickstarter and never got okay. the book itself so i'm i'm definitely going for that one as well
0: yeah it's going to be good yeah. i mean it's it's going to be so it's a second version of it there's not going to be much changed it'll just be like making sure that if there were any typos we you know we fix those because you know there's always one that slips through the net um but also we we are partnered with the dreamcast junkyard this time around mm-hmm. um and so they are going to be we're going to be adding their logo to the first book and obviously they a lot of the team from dreamcast junkyard are going to be contributing to year two um so yeah that's going to be awesome too
1: awesome awesome anything you'd like to say to our listeners uh there are just thinking about should i check this out should i not
0: uh i mean yeah i mean it's it's a book that um you know it's it's not just a book it's as i say there's so much more there's the zine um but the book itself um it's not just about the. You know, it's about the story of year two um but it's also uh kind of retrospective of the games it's also a lot of the appeal of the first book, which is going to carry on to the second book, is the artwork, and we have um, original illustrations uh, by our artist Dan Tiller. Uh, the first book was done by Eric Pavick. so the second book is going to have a very different look and feel in terms of the art style, and that's a huge part of the of the books. It's you know it's not just um, hearing about the story of the Dreamcast from a, a more European perspective. Um, you know we we have all of those uh, European. Uh, box covers, all of the, you know, a lot of the information about what happened with the Dreamcast when it was in Europe. So it's not just about that. It's also about the art style um, and the the artwork that you get to see, which is, you know, it's, it's something you don't see in a lot of books these days. Um, and it's, you know, it's all physical. You can have a digital copy if you'd like, but it's something you can physically have on your bookshelf uh, that tells the story of, you know, what a lot of people think is one of the best consoles of all time and potentially one of Sega's um most creative and unique consoles for sure um so yeah it's it, it's it's something that is worth having to you know to have in your collection mm-hmm. um, it's worth having a look
1: <laughs> definitely, definitely. And, and you know if you get the physical book if someone mm-hmm. gets into your house you can still use the physical book to attack them maybe hit them it in is. the head so physical books are always better than digital versions for that. Uh, reason alone, True. not just for that, but mostly for that. True. And I mean, I'm just to be fair,
0: kidding. If I was reading, if I was reading, <laughs> oh yeah, I know. But if you if you're reading the digital book, you'd be reading it on a phone or a tablet, and that's got a bit more of a a, a weight to it than a book. So if you're going to attack somebody, attack them with your phone or your tablet. I don't know, but it's
1: it, it, it's smaller. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, uh, I, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. <laughs> okay, so never mind that. Just just get, don't just get, get on the, the book. digital version. <laughs>
0: The blood won't come out of the book. You can wipe that off your tablet. It's fine.
1: You're working against yourself here. So <laughs> don't tell that to people.
0: Uh, well, you'll get if you, if you buy the physical version, you'll get a digital version automatically. So keep the physical version safe on your bookshelf and only attack people that attack you with the okay. digital copy on your phone. Yes,
1: yes, yes. So keep it blood-free. Yes, uh, on exactly. your Christine. <laughs> Pristine.
0: <laughs> Okay, Andrew, thank you
1: so much for coming on on the show. I have one last question for you, which is Mm. the the question that I ask all of my guests all the time. So uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but in the US at least, uh, Sega had a a marketing gimmick uh, during the Genesis days. We we know it as as the Dreamcast, but they said the Genesis had blast processing, Mm. which was not a real thing, uh, but they said it was more... It was what made the, the, the Genesis more powerful than the Super Nintendo. Blast mm-hmm. processing. So if you could add blast processing to anything in the world, what would it be and why?
0: Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> um what needs blast processing more than anything else? <laughs> um I'm <laughs> trying to think. Um blast processing. My book. Let's give let's give my book blast processing, you know? Like you know, I don't know what it what what effect it would have on it. Uh, would it make it faster? Uh, I'm not sure how that would that would help. Uh, but but it, you know, a faster book, a faster book that that you know you can flick through much quicker. Um, if you wanted to, um, maybe it flicks through itself. You don't have to. You don't have to turn the pages. The blast processing does it for you. Uh, you know what could be better than that?
1: Yeah. And more powerful. So, if someone got into your house again, um, you know, <laughs> there's always that. I exactly. I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with people getting into a- other people's houses. Um,
0: yeah, it seems like it. <laughs> uh,
1: not sure why. Maybe it's it's the whole pandemic situation. Uh, so, so yeah, that's a good to answer. Speak to somebody about it. <laughs> maybe maybe I need therapy. Uh, I, I've been in need of therapy for a long long time. My listeners can attest to that. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's, it's been I fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All the been best for, for Dreamcast Year 2, for the, the podcast as well. So people, don't forget to check that out. All the links will be in the show notes. Um, and hopefully you can come back sometime soon to talk about at least Dreamcast Year 3, perhaps.
0: Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And just yeah, people listening, make sure you're back on day one because otherwise he's gonna have Ah, to pay for the whole thing.
1: I forgot about that.
0: Damn. (laughs) Oh
1: damn. (laughs) Yes, please do. That was Andrew Dickinson, this week's guest and another proud owner of the SEGA Lounge seal of approval. As stated during the interview, the Dreamcast Year 2 Kickstarter project is going live on Tuesday, July 28th, so be sure to support it. You can find the link to the project in the show notes. Also, Andrew's podcast, Dreamcast Years, is a great listen if you're looking for a different take on the years when the Dreamcast was active. Definitely recommend Again, all relevant links will be in the show notes for you to check out. Next week will be our final episode before the summer break. I'll be joined by a distinguished member of the SEGA community. Someone that, for some reason, it took me more than 120 episodes of the show to have him on. Too long. We'll correct that mistake next week, so please be sure to join me then. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please consider subscribing. The easiest way is probably to go to thesegalounge.com and click the subscribe button on the top right corner. Choose your preferred podcast service and you're all set. You'll never miss an episode of the show ever again. Let me just remind you that while there won't be any new full episodes in August, I'll be adding some short interviews I've recorded in the past to the podcast feeds. Just a little something to keep you company in my absence. As usual, stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, and be kind to each other. The Sega Lounge will reopen its doors next week. I hope to catch you all then. Bye bye The Sega Lounge. Hosted by me, KC, and part of Radio Sega's network of live shows and podcasts. Theme song and incidental music by OSC. Find them at opussciencecollective.bandcamp.com Got any suggestions? Drop me an email to kc at radiosega.net Follow us on Twitter at The Sega Lounge You can find previous episodes of the show by going to thesegalounge.com and wherever fine podcasts are downloaded.